Now we can start church. All right. Um, we're going to open this up in a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for today. Uh, we give you all the praise and glory, God. Thank you for your word. I know um, as I'm praying for a message to give to your people, uh, there's nothing better than your word and helping us just to uh, go through and pointing out already the things you've said. Help us to, to walk these things out. Help us to make sense of, of some of these scriptures. Uh, give us wisdom uh, and knowledge. Help us to apply it. Give us boldness. And speak to us today. Bobby. We need to focus more on eternity. We need to focus more on heaven. and uh, We get caught up here in this world a lot, and uh, we just need your help. Help today to be a reminder that we're just passing through, we're, we're pilgrims, that we're, this is not our home. Something way, way, way more exciting stored for us for, for eternity. So help us to look forward, God, to, to the, the beauty of being in your presence, to eternity with you where there's no more sickness and no more pain, no more sin, where we get to just be in your presence, God. We can't even imagine what this could possibly be like, but we know that this is true. You put it in our hearts and you've changed even some of these things going on in our lives today to push towards that. So help us to keep that perspective and help us to walk that out accordingly. Help us to be your hands and feet. Equip us. Use us, God, in mighty ways. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, 30. So, last time, uh, all the children could be dismissed. Uh, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. Now we, oh, I mean, I, I have to look back to see when we started the, the book of uh, First Corinthians, but it's been a, it's been a while because um, because um, I'll teach every once in a while. Um, and the reason I chose First Corinthians uh, was through prayers. Like I wanted to learn more about uh, the spiritual gifts. I was a little confused on some things, and I also wanted to, to learn about a lot, you know, just decisions going on there, the problems there in that church, something to, we could apply to the church today. So, it's been a real blessing. All right, so far in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, we've seen a wide range of topics covered uh, from uh, divisions where people would argue against each other inside the church, all right, that still happens today, right? And it was a, it was a great reminder, like when you're speaking to someone uh, and they say, you know, oh, I'm I go to this church right away. We're like, oh, like oh, you know. Sometimes you can be like that. Oh, I see, right? But um, Paul's encouraging us, like you know, we're all 
this whole church division thing is something that is is not necessarily from God, right? We, we may have certain interpretations of scripture, uh, but we're still we're still um, you know, unfortunately, some some churches have strayed from some of the core doctrinal beliefs that we should have as Christians. Like those those are are non-negotiables, and we also talked about that um, about the non-negotiables of being a Christian. Jesus died for our sins. He resurrected. Um, you know, we have to confess our sins to Him. The Bible is the Word of God. Like some of these things are are just non-negotiable. But then we had a Bible study about the gray areas. Like, what about the things that God doesn't necessarily, you know, the Word doesn't necessarily speak about? Like, I'm doing a job that's asking me to do this, right? How do we, how do we filter that? And the conclusion that the Word gives is like, does this bring us closer or farther away from Jesus? And that's a lot of our decisions. Relationships, right? Does this person in your life bring you closer or farther away from Jesus. You're not going to read the Bible and say, don't talk to Todd anymore, right? Like, I don't know Todd is, but if I had a Todd, I had a, I had a Todd in my life. Um, and he, he was someone that God was convicting me, like, don't hang out with this person, because every time you do, you know, you're not getting closer to me, and over time, Right, so there's a lot of things in our lives that God's speaking to us about, where He's like, "This is not bringing you closer to Me." So when we're seeking for God's will, um, that's a good way. Closer is this thing bringing this person, this activity, right? Um, this job, this whatever, is it bringing me closer to Jesus? That's something we touched on. Uh, in the church at Corinth, there was a guy with his with his stepmom, and Paul's like, this stuff doesn't even happen in the world. Um, which is, you know, it's just like convicting. You know, sometimes stuff can creep into the church. Uh, we want to be accepting of everyone, right? Love love the sinner, hate the sin, but sometimes that can, things can creep into to the church where we have to stand on God's word, right? And it's Um, spiritual gifts, people were abusing them, uh, people were going off, and Paul was getting them back to the Word. So, that brings us up to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, this church in 1 Corinthians, uh, this church was, uh, not really believing in the resurrection. Okay, so they're coming from, uh, Roman, uh, background, Greek background, and even, there was a, a big party of the Jews who didn't believe in afterlife. They didn't believe in spiritual things. They didn't believe in resurrection. In fact, the Romans and the Greeks, like, they mocked that. That they, they were like, why would you want your body to be raised again? Like, why would you want that? That's, that's ridiculous. So that's the climate that Paul is preaching to them. The last time we finished off where he was basically saying, like, there is a resurrection, because if there's not, what are we even doing? Why am I going through this? Why am I facing death? Why am I facing these beasts in Ephesus? Why am I dealing with all these things if there wasn't? Like, this makes no sense, right? So, he just finished off making a point, basically saying, like, why, why are you guys 
practice this thing called baptizing for the dead. For the dead. He's like, so you're saying that you do believe in resurrection, so now you're practicing this thing, which is not a thing. But he was just making a point of like, you guys do believe in resurrection, but only in like a weird way. So we did touch on that once you're dead, you're either heaven or hell. There's no baptizing for the dead. The Mormons ended up taking this on, this scripture, and now they baptize long genealogies, and they try to pray for their family members. But the, the Bible does not teach that. Okay, we, we touched on something called hermeneutics, where did Jesus teach it? Was it followed in the book of Acts? Um, you know, and, and then also to go on top of that, was there any Old Testament reference to these things? And none of it is there. So there is no baptism for the dead. But Paul is making the point, like, what are you guys doing? There's a resurrection, and you guys know it. But now you need to learn about it. So that's what we're going to get into this. Alright, verse 30. And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. So why do we go through persecution? Okay, why do we go through persecution? Why do we deny ourselves and our flesh? Right? Some don't. Right? There's like, there's whole islands that are devoted to it. Right? There's, there's resorts called hedonism. Like, that's what ultimately it is. Right? Um, getting into the flesh is just from the morning, from the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep, we have choices to either follow Jesus and follow the Spirit or follow our flesh. And it's a battle all day, all night, till you know we go to sleep. The thoughts that come in, the <clears throat> the plans we have, everything is just that battle, right? But why? Why do we do it? Why do we suffer persecution? In the United States, we don't have to suffer immense persecution yet. Maybe maybe some people talking about us at work. Uh, maybe some family members mocking us. Um, you know, that's the type of stuff we'll get. Um, <clears throat> but we don't really suffer like, I'm going to kill you for your faith persecution too much, but people do, do deal with that around the world. Um, we went to the pastor's conference last year. We met, um, there was a guy from, he had an organization. You want to feel like, like you're not doing a lot. His organization is to extract Christians who are about to by their whatever local tribe that they're at. Like so um he'll work like big into African Muslim countries and like let's say someone confesses their faith. Alright, I'm I'm a Christian now. They'll come and they'll try they'll kill you. Like they'll kill you for accepting Jesus. Right? That's persecution. So this guy's organization would they're all former like Navy SEALs and stuff, and they'd go in at night and extract these people and bring them to the place of the faith. I'm like, wow. like hardcore. And I'm like, I can't believe someone, you know, asked me why I go to church on Sunday. Like that persecution to me. Like that's not persecution, right? There's like there's serious persecution going on. But um, in our comfort, sometimes we lose our zeal for our Christianity, and it becomes cultural Christianity 
where then it's like we we kind of boast in our Christianity as like just being like good people, mm. right? And it, it can get a little confusing. We lose even that. It's like we, we lose that zeal for Jesus because then it's all focused on our works and just being nice people. Like, you know, and that's it's more than that. That's just a result of being a Christian. Sometimes God will conform us to that. Uh, we do it because we know that this world is temporary, right? And we're living for Christ. And we're living for his plan. So maybe some are not necessarily doing that. Right? You're just kind of just being a Christian. But it's just like you don't know what you're supposed to be doing with this time. It's like you hear about God's plan, but you don't really know what that means for yourself. Like some of us have grown up in, in like religious systems where it's just about going to church on Sundays. And that's what it is to be a Christian. Like, that's just kind of part of it. It's like you go to church on Sundays or you do certain things. But what if, what if God actually equipped you specifically for something more than what you ever thought? Right? Like, he's gifted you with something. He's put people in your life to maybe teach or minister to or whatever your gift might be or some part of the body where that's what, you know, one of the things we went over in First Corinthians is just the body, right? Like, maybe you are, like, a certain part of the body, but you're not walking in that, in that area, so now that part of the body is suffering because the rest of the body has to, you know, you ever have a, a bad knee and you're limping, and then guess what happens over time? Your other knee hurts from compensating for that bad knee, or your back starts to hurt, right? That's what can happen in the church body as a whole, is that if art is not doing what it needs to do, then the rest of the body can suffer. Okay, and it's not putting some guilt trip. It's like something that God's going to put in your heart. Everybody's at a different stage in their walk. Maybe this is the time where you're just learning what you even believe in. Because then it could go in the extreme the other way, where you walk into the church the first day and you're like, "Hey, you were nice to one of the kids. You're going to be in charge of our children's ministry." And you're like, "I don't even know what I believe yet." Like so. <laughs> That's, like, there's a balance to it, right? It's like, first you have to know kind of what, what you believe in, where you're called, and then over time, that will kind of just show itself, right? So, everything we've got is like a balance, right? Uh, we pick up our cross daily, we're killing our flesh to do the Father's will. And we know that that's a blessing, though, because that flesh, those things that used to... We took such joy and passion in, like, oh, I can't wait to go out this Friday. I can't wait to buy this bottle. All those things were just, like, they were trapped. And they were keeping us in bondage. And then when we're finally free from it, it's like we didn't really notice. But it's, we're, we're made for more than that. And that's, that's part of the, the scheme, because the world, every commercial, alcohol commercial, all showing a good time, Right, it's like it's part of whatever. You know, I'm a big sports guy. Every commercial is about Budweiser. Even my kids know about all these alcoholic brands. Like, you know, my son tries to be funny. Right, like, so you watch, and this stuff just gets put into your head that alcohol is associated with having a good time, but they don't show you. They don't show the part where you said some silly stuff. You think. Reason over nothing, your anger starts to increase, like all these things, uh, liver, 
damage, um, cirrhosis, you know, I mean, non, you know, thing after thing. They don't show you that on the commercials. That would be interesting, right, if they had to. Like, you know, what happens later in the night? That would be funny, right, when the makeup starts to come down. Like, when the, the wig goes a little sideways, right? Oh, okay. But it was like, oh, it was a great time. If in this, if in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So Paul fought against people that were influenced by demonic spirits. Right? Paul was bit by a poisonous snake. Paul suffered many things in the name of Jesus, right? But he said, what's the point of it if we just die, right? He's like, let us just eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So if Jesus did not resurrect, we might as well just live for the flesh. But he did resurrect. And last week we went into a lot of the scriptures from the Old Testament that talked about Jesus dying on the cross, uh, resurrecting, and we see the proof of it. There was a, a guy who said, He's like, if I could prove that the resurrection didn't happen, you know, I could blow up this whole Christianity thing. And in this process, well, we know, we know what happened. You know, everyone knows, right? It's like, I don't have to tell you. Of course, in this process, he became a believer. And then, then his book went from being anti-Christian to being a Christian book, right? And like, you do that all the time. You can't, when you look at it from a, from a just a perspective of just doing research like a detective, I mean, the, the witnesses are there. Right, the proof is there. The, I mean, even you know, I was uh, I was having some conversation with the guy on one of my Facebook groups, and he's like, "What's the proof of God? Show me that." Right, and you know, um, I think I think somebody I think it was Jesus giving the 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 example of like you don't see the wind, right? But you see the results, right? And we know that in our lives, like these things we do. Um, and these convictions we have, they don't come from our flesh. They come from God. Like God is real. So when you play it out, then we should be living for God. If God is real, God is realer than anything here. So be excited that you've been touched by God. You've been changed by God. And guess what? Heaven is real for you. Heaven is real. We're going to go to heaven when we die. Right? So once you, that simple, just little thing, it changes. It's, I mean, it's huge. Like, there's no more death. And we're going to be with God forever. So that changes the way we interact with one another. It changes why we get angry and stressed out about certain things. It changes everything. And, and Paul's even saying here, like, he fought against all these beasts at Ephesus, these horrible people, um, people who well, like, are boldly just against Jesus, right? Um, and we're going to see, I, I, we may or may not get to uh, 1 Corinthians 16, but um, we see, like, the more things pop off for Paul, the more he knows he's in the right spot, which goes way against many of the way we filter our Christianity. It's like, well, if the Lord did it, then I, I should, everything should be fine, and there should be no problems. But I think... That may go a little against what the Bible teaches, like, you know, but he says, take courage, I've overcome the world, right? 
33 and 34, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So this is actually a, a, a common Greek saying that everyone would kind of know from a, a, a philosopher, so he was just kind of using their language. But the same principle is found in uh, Psalms 1.1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So, standing like in the counsel of the ungodly, so think about this. This is something that we should try to practice. Drama happens at your job, right? Someone wronged you in your family, right? Whatever, fill in the blank. Who are you going to talk to about this? Are you, gonna, are you talking to God? Are you talking to the person that's going to tell you how you're right and the person's wrong? Sometimes we like that, right? Just to gossip. Um, they might not know anything, but you know that they, what, from the perspective you're giving them, that you've found someone that's going to tell you how we're right, and that person's a jerk, right? And then you're like, yeah, I knew I was right. I knew that person, right? But a godly person, they might, you know, hear from God and pray for you, maybe bring you to a Bible scripture, um, try to give you different types of words of wisdom, where worldly words uh, will maybe make the fight bigger. Where, uh, I remember where we were at, me, my wife and I, we, we had my, my basketball team that, uh, for the school that I coached at, we were in a championship, and um, it was really cool, because that night was women's fellowship, and there were these girls next to us from the other school, and they were banging on the bleachers really loud, right? And then they were screaming at the top of their lungs. And we were only a few of us from our school. And um, my son was the, our loudest fan. So then they started messing with him specifically to try to anger him. And then my wife, being the mama bear, was like, uh oh, now I have to be loud to protect him. And then what does she, what does she get from a text message? Uh, like, oh, we just went over Proverbs today that talked about, you know, giving back uh, a word, a word can turn away wrath. She's like, wow. She's like, you know, but if, imagine she, she like, you know, went to hit up her, her friends of the old days, and maybe she'd have a, a crew of feisty Latinas waiting outside. But <laughs> like, you have a Christian sister who says, you know, a kind word turns away wrath. You know, it's like little things like that, you know, and we think about little things that turn into bigger things of, um, when we could just follow God's way, some of the drama we get ourselves, some of the, the problems we have, 
it's like maybe you know that wasn't necessarily God's will. Maybe God allowed it though to show us that His ways are different, right? His His path is different. Uh, and He said, "Awake to righteousness, right? Awake up to these things. Don't sin, for for some do not have the knowledge of God, right? And He's saying, I speak this to your shame because maybe they're not they're not doing what they're called to do, is to share the knowledge of God with others. It shouldn't just be." You know, Pastor Drew, you want to tell your friends about Jesus. Like, i got to bring them to church so Pastor Drew can tell them, right? You don't have to just send them a link to someone else's message. Where they know you, they've been watching you, right? They've seen a change. You don't have to know everything. Remember the woman at the well? He just, Jesus just sent, them, sent her back and just said, just tell them what, you, what, you know, what just happened here. And she just said, a guy just told me everything I did, right? And all these people were like, what? And then he talked to them, and they got saved, like, a lot of them, right? It's, like, simple. Just share the love of Jesus. You'd be shocked, especially when, when you feel God's telling you to share. And you do it, and you take that step of faith. It's, like, you, you'd be shocked sometimes, the results. And you think about, man, I, I can't believe I almost didn't do that. Like, God wants us to be part of those blessings. It's a cool thing. Like, he allows us to be a part of these crazy thing where you just get chilled, like, whoa, I can't believe that just happened, and God used me, and then, and then there's the whole process of, like, you know, the, with the pride that comes with that later, but that's a different part of our walk, but it's cool when God wants to use you. He wants to use you. He wants to use all of us. It's not some special thing, like, He wants to use us. We just have to be available. But some will say, how are the dead up? And with what body do they come? So, the first Corinth, the, the Corinth church, they were mocking Paul here. Okay, they were they were like, "How's this going to happen? And and what body are they going to come in? Like talking about how this resurrection thing is going to happen, right? And this happened to to Jesus when the Sadducees, again, they were a Jewish party uh, who didn't believe in the afterlife, right? So they they came up with one of these scenarios and. Maybe some of you in sharing your faith have come up, people come up with scenarios to try to get you. Uh, the same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies has no, having no children, his brother and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were us seven brothers that he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, which they didn't believe in, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they shall, they all have her. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry, nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished. So, if God can create man out of the dirt, right, then he can keep order of, of our heavenly bodies. There was another one I, I heard, it was like, what if what if a guy drowns and he gets eaten by a shark and a shark takes his arm and goes that way and then another shark comes and goes the other way? Like, if, if God can create 
right? He can make sure that our body will be resurrected. And in regards to being married, like, there's not going to be marriage in heaven. We're going to be in the presence of God. We're going to be, we're going to know each other, right? We're not going to be, you know, dumber. But, in <laughs> But we're going to be, it's like marriage was a picture of Christ and the church, right? That was Christ and the church. So, when we, when people see marriage and and they see the devotion, right? It's like, it's a beautiful thing when you see, like, you know, a beautiful elderly couple together just walking hand in hand. And it's like, you know, you can see a picture of us with God for eternity, just the devotion and, and um, the love that's there. Um, that's, you know, it's just a picture of Christ in the church. 36 to 38. Foolish one, you fools. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be. But mere grain, perhaps weed or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. So Paul uses the example, uh, any high school students here? What is the example of? Seed dying. What is that process known as? Germination. Very good, Wendy. The seed dies to produce new fruit. Okay? So the seed has to die, and that's going to produce the new fruit. Our bodies, they're going to die, and in heaven, we're going to get our new bodies. So don't try to kill yourself, okay? God will give you the time and the hour, right? And he's put you here for a reason because he wants to use your life. So so take hope of this time and use it because he's giving you breath. He's giving you words. He's, he's giving you the, the mind faculties. So use it. It's a blessing, right? Don't waste it, right? But don't hold on forever thinking that this is it because it's not, right? And for some, this is all they have, and they are, they'll do everything to hold on to this life. But it's over. It's going to be over soon. This body has to die so that we can grow and become what we really are, which is this beautiful creation that God has for us in heaven, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It's forever. God gives us a body to be an expression of who we are now in the Lord. Right? These are just tense. Right? Um... My, my son's not here, so they, they had a rough night. But he, he likes to look at himself in the mirror. I know he's, he's watching on YouTube. Um, and he's, and, and like he'll, he'll have a nice complimentary statement for himself, yeah. right? He <laughs> <laughs> good looking, right? <laughs> this is not, this is just, I said, hey, man, that's just your tent. It'll start to leak, right? Starts to let in some stuff, and before you know it, you have to put some patches on it, and you might have to take it to a tent fixer upper because this tent slowly starts to just fade over time, right? And that's and that's like the reminder: we're not here forever, right? Like I remember playing basketball all night, and my lunch would be like onion rings and a quarter water. That's something that in New York we would drink. It's flavored 
juice that was probably like the lowest quality. Um, I could still taste the metal in my mouth because it was like a metal top. But uh, all day, I mean, that's what we did all day. And like then the next day, we would just do it again, just basketball. Like we were going to the NBA, like basketball every day. We weren't even that good. And now, if I play a game, one game with my students, like I'm done. Like I have to take serious naps. <laughs> Moaning and groaning, my son tries to race me places, I'm like, please stop, like, I can't move, right? And, like, it's just, it's just what happens, like, because we're not, we have to, this, and it's a reminder, this body has to die because we're going to go on to heaven forever. And that, just like, that reality and the reminder of it is, that changes, that changes everything. Like, now that problem with whatever's going on doesn't seem as big because it's, in the heavenly perspective, it's like, all right, you know, God's going to take through this time and that time. Sicknesses come up, it's a reminder. We're not here forever, and bodies, we're not going to have any of that. Because these bodies weren't meant for forever. They were just meant for a little bit. And when we die, He's going to give us a new body to express ourselves without the flesh. Oh, what a relief. To be free from this flesh. And all those times that we, you know, like Paul said, I want to do this, but I, I do the opposite. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, right? But Jesus, right? He's the one that gives us the power to, to walk this walk. But in eternity, we don't even have to deal with that anymore. Oh, what a relief. It's like putting off that old man, like, like having like a weighted vest of like a million pounds just take it off and be in the presence of God. You know, that's it's going to be amazing. And God brings us spiritual birth, and then when we're born again, that old man must die. And every day, that old man dies a little. We don't become like Jesus. Like we become like Jesus. We don't become Jesus. We start to sin less, but we don't become sinless. Like, we, we still will sin in our thoughts, but it should, over time, like it happens less. There's less control of that flesh over time. In verse 39 to 41, all flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial one is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. One star differs from another star in glory. So each, it says all flesh, right, in verse 39. So each animal has different meat, right? Each animal has a different type of meat. We're all made special. Humans are above all other created things, though. Like, we have a certain capacity to understand God. All, unfortunately, I'm going to say it. <laughs> all dogs. <laughs> I can't, I, I, I won't, I, I don't want to get the hate. <laughs> All dogs are not going to heaven. But, but heaven, for people, okay, heaven for people, Jesus died for people, all right, um, we're a different type of flesh, I'm sorry, um, we know, though, now, which is cool, it's so cool when science isn't against the Bible, right? 
there are some scientists who try to point out and set out to prove the non-existence of God, but when your hypothesis starts with a fallacy, it's, in, it's impossible to, to present truth. And that's why things can never get to real like laws, because they end up being theories, because you can't prove something once you're starting with a negative. It's like basic math. Like a negative and a positive is a negative. You can't. So if you're starting off with the wrong from the beginning, you're never going to get to the right end. Um, so what's cool is in verse 41, he talks about how stars are different from one another. Uh, this is a, a cool example. I mean, Paul didn't have the, um, <coughs> the telescopes and things we have today, but every star is actually different. They all burn at different, um, at diff at different uh, Calvin uh, you know, temperatures. They even have a different hue. So the hottest will burn blue, uh, then blue-white, then yellow, orange, to the, the coldest star is red. All right? And they're all different. Like, if you really broke down each individual star, and we know how many stars there are, they're all different, right? How did Paul know this? I don't, I don't know. Where did God? And talking about how every terrestrial it is different, right? All the planets are different, right? Stars, the sun gives off energy. The planets, they are receiving the energy. So you see in the picture, we have the sun. Mercury is next. Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter. Saturn, this is just our... What's the word? Solar system, right? Um, Uranus. Neptune, okay? Different sizes, different colors, made of, you know, sometimes different, different things. If we were one degree closer to the sun, we, we wouldn't be able to sustain life. If we were one degree further away from the sun, everything would be too cold, okay? We're a perfect planet with a perfect distance from the moon, for its gravitational pull, perfect distance from the sun, and God made it perfectly. And to say, like, a Big Bang Theory where all this stuff just randomly came, and then, here we go, like, that would, that would be like saying that there was a huge explosion at a bookstore, and we just came up with this book. Here you go. Like, it just doesn't make sense because the perfection of it is just impossible. But when you start with the, with the beginning of there is no God, then you're trying to fit anything to try to make sense. But apart from God, nothing makes sense. And this is just God's creation. This is the way God made us. God made us to be with him forever. Start off in the garden and end with us in heaven forever. In verse 42 to 44, So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So, just like you know, all these things that God has shown us in nature, the same way, these bodies are corruptible, okay? So
So you're not you're not strange. This is it. This is why. Because we're not. This is not it. We have. We're gonna grow. This is just the first. But this is not it. We're weak, right? Don't feel bad that you struggle with different things. We all struggle with different things. But this is our bodies. We're weak. This is natural. We're gonna get raised in the spiritual, all right? And that's because of who? Because of Jesus, right? Because of Jesus, He conquered death. Because in Adam, that's where we were. Right? Before we met Jesus, that's where we were. But now, because of Jesus, we have something more to look forward to. And we're not here forever. We're going. We're moving on. And we're just we're just pilgrims. We're just visiting. 45 to 49, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. Okay, first we're here, but then we're going to be spiritual. The first was on the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as is the heavenly man, so also, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So the natural is like the seed, and the spiritual is going to be that fruit, that next, that's heaven. And that's all thanks to Jesus. So Adam came from earth, right? And Jesus came from heaven. Right? This is why like these things had to happen the way they did. And in coincidence, this is God's plan. It had to be something from heaven, because from earth it just wouldn't do it. That's why Jesus had it. In Romans 5.15 it says, But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of, by the grace of the man, one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So, some might say, it's not fair. Why do I have to go to hell? Because Adam sinned. Right? But in the same way, we get to go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross. And it's that simple. You think back to the people who were getting, they were complaining. Okay? The Jews were complaining. They got freed from the bondage of Egypt. And now they're free. Right? And this, this, this may resonate with some of us, even as walking as Christians. Some of these sins that held us, yet sometimes we complain that the old way of living used to be so great, even though we were in bondage, right? It's like, well, I don't even get to do this anymore. People are complaining, okay? God, try to warn them a few times, eventually sent some poisonous snakes to kill them, all right? <laughs> Come and get you, right? But he made a way, okay? He said, Moses... Put this bronze snake on a stick. If you raise it up, uh, people look at it. Simply, they'll be healed. Right? How many of those people said, that's stupid? Look at a snake. That's dumb. Why am I going to do that? Like, Joe just got healed. Bill just got healed. Mordecai just got healed. Right? Nah, that's just, that was just probably superstition. Maybe they just got lucky. Uh, you sure you just don't want to look at the snake? It's just like so simple, right there. Like, I'll even bring you. Nah, no, I didn't explain how it works. 
Right? If God made a way, like this is what he's done, you know, over time, maybe he'll show you why he's done it this way, but just look at the snake. Nah, I gotta figure out a way. Maybe, if, you know, I'll make some ointments or something, uh, some essential oils. Uh, I forget my friend, they sell them. Um, so, they'll look for any reason, right? And we have friends like this, where the any reason to not follow Jesus. Because it's just like too simple. Like, what do you mean? And Jesus said, just like that snake was put on the stick, all you got to do is look to me, and I'll heal you, right? I'll forgive you, and all these. And it's like, no, but that has to be what? Why? But we know who the ones who've given our this changes everything, and it's like, wow. And it's like, but it doesn't make sense. Like, okay, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But this is the way God did it, right? And now we have life through Jesus, just like we had life through Jesus. And all you have to do is look. Look to Jesus. Accept, accept Jesus' death on the cross. It's like so simple, and it's like too simple. But God, this is the way God did it. Kind of interesting, right? God made man out of the dust. You know that we almost have pretty much the same exact elements in us as, as the dirt. Which is kind of cool. Another thing that like backs up the word of God. Um, there's 17 main elements that make us up. That's the same as the dirt. It's like right there. Uh, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit. Where does corruption inherit corruption? So we can't in these bodies go to heaven because we're corrupted. We need those new bodies in order to go to heaven. So, we have to get these new bodies, because these are corrupted. In Exodus 20, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. If we try to go to heaven in our own bodies, we burst into a, a Brazilian <laughs> Like, we can't. We're not made for it, right? We can't even leave Earth in our own bodies. Like, if we try to go to, to the moon, we have to have a we have to keep 14 pounds of pressure on our bodies. We have to bring elements from this world, uh, this planet, into the moon. We have to have oxygen. We have to do certain things in order to even be, right? So imagine, we can't even leave Earth. Like, how are we going to go to heaven in the presence of God? We couldn't do it. We need the earthly bodies because these bodies are not made for heaven. In John 14, 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. So Jesus, that's why he died on the cross. And that's why he, you know, he resurrected. And that's why he's, he's at the, hand of the, right, the right hand of the Father right now. It's for, it's for these, it's for us. He died for us, He's, you know, and we're going to be with him forever. And this is why he did it. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't stay here. It just wasn't, that's not the way that, you know, he came here to die, you know. 1 Corinthians 50, uh, 15, 51, 52, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling. The trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 
So a twinkling is even quicker than a blink. A twinkling is just the amount of time it takes for light to get off your to be able for someone else to see it. Instantaneous, right? And instantaneously, we're going to be in the presence of God. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will be will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort another with these words. So, there's, there's a chance that we could be raptured before we even die, where at any moment we just get taken out of this world. It's something to look forward to, and it's something also we don't know the day of the time because we should always be living as if with that urgency, right? And that's, that's you know, one of the points of, uh, of today's message is to have a heavenly perspective and to live with urgency. Because the, the time goes quick, this is not our world, and we need to redeem the time to share, you know, the simple truth of love. Because God does love, right? God loves. We can't forget. It's not about rules and regulations and being nice and this and that. God loves. And that's why Jesus came, right? For God so loved the world. We're going to put off these bodies. They're groaning, right? The Bible, the Bible talks about that. In 2 Corinthians 5, 1, for a while we are in this tent, we groan and our burdens. Just to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. The, the more time we spend, it's just like, oh, let's get us out of here already. We just want to be in heaven. Right? It's like the groaning, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. This, these lives are mortal, but eternity is immortal. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, talking about when our new bodies in heaven, and this mortal has put on immortality, living forever in heaven, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Number one fear of most people is death. We have nothing to be afraid of. If you believe that Jesus died for your sins, your sins are paid for, for eternity, on the cross, it is finished. You have nothing to be afraid of. What can come at this point? Like nothing can do anything to you. You're, you're locked in God's hands. No one can take you out. And the result is a changed life. right? He who is forgiven much, loves much. And we do our works out of love for God. It's not to be saved. We're saved when we believe that Jesus died for our sins. We're saved when we look at that metaphorical snake on a, on a, you know, on a pole. It's simple, but it's, it's monumentally life-changing, eternity-changing, like forever. In Hosea, uh, Hosea 13, 14, this is this uh, mystery that, that Paul's talking about. Um... I will ransom them from the power of the grave. This is talking about the coming Messiah. I will redeem them. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. God's destroyed death through his son Jesus. Death is destroyed forever. 
in heaven, everything's going to be perfect, right? We're going to be in the presence of God. When, me, when Moses merely just saw the train of God's robe, his face was shining and like, you know, he had a, had a covering and it you know, went away after a while. If we're to see God in our current bodies, you know, we, we know that that went in very well. In verse 56, it says, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. So in heaven, there is no sin. The point of, of the law is to show us our sin. Right? I mean, there's many laws in the Old Testament, but just going by the first, the first ten, not stealing, not lying, having other gods, like, we don't have to go very far to know that we are sinners. And that's the point of the law. The law is just to show us we need a Savior. Everybody, right? In, in uh, Romans 3, it talks about, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? So you're not different, you're not weird that you sin, because we're all sinners. You're actually normal where you should be. The only difference is that you know it, where others are living in, in, in a different reality, because they, they can't humble themselves to the point of knowing that Jesus died for their sins and that they're sinners. But once you come to that reality, now everything makes sense, and everything's in the perspective that God created us to have. So there's no more death. Death is the separation from God. We're never going to be separated from God. Right? Like death, nor life, no principalities, no powers. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We're going to always be in that. However, we may know friends and family who will be separated from God. And that's the ultimate death. Right? Is that separation from God. Because God can't be around darkness. God can't be around that's saying because he's light, like it's just, but there's a separation, and that's what they chose. So that's why you know we just want to we want to be able to do and and our, you know while we're here do the things that God's asking us to do, so that they wouldn't have to go through that. But we also went through earlier in First Corinthians how one plants another waters, but only God does the increase. Like, it's not necessarily on. Uh, we're not saving anybody. We can't say the perfect word that, oh, if I only would have said this, that person would have got saved, because we're just kind of being used along the way. But God wants to use us, right? God wants to use us. Uh, in Romans 8.38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And to finish, 1 Corinthians 57 to 58, But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So, we're just going to close. I want to, um, if we can, just give a round of applause to Jesus. Because in Jesus, we have all these things. And there's life in Jesus. So, just understand that the, the work that you're doing, and wherever you're at, your area of, of influence, is not in vain. Alright? It's not in vain. Nothing's wasted. So continue. Stay steadfast and stay focused. Because this world is not it. 
This is just part of it. But we have eternity. Lord, thank you for today, Lord. We just give you all the praise and glory. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who's given us life, new life, God. Help us, God, to walk out this walk and just encourage us. Uh, if there's anyone here feeling discouraged, who, uh, who's questioning, I pray that today would have been a motivation to just keep forward, to repent of any sins, confess them to you, to bring them to the light, that they could just keep pushing forward again and get back into that fight, Lord. We know that um, you want good things for us, and we just thank you, God. Thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray for, for the people here today, anyone listening to this message, to, to continue walking this fight, to not go to the left or the right, and that you would use their lives in mighty ways. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.